welcome to this Change World Future Talent podcast. Today, we present to you Lord Chris Holmes's keynote speech from Change World's Future Talent Conference in 2018. Don't forget to subscribe to the Future Talent podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of Britain's most successful Paralympians, Lord Holmes won nine gold, five silver, and one bronze medal in various swimming events between 1988 and 2000, and was also director of Paralympic Integration for London 2012. In September 2013, he was named a live peer for the London Borough of Richmond-upon-Thames. Always a crowd pleaser, Lord Holmes brought his comic timing and infectious presence to the RGS for his third consecutive Future Talent Conference. Delivering a speech titled Future Challenges, Preparing for Artificial Intelligence, Lord Holmes made the case for an optimistic future where technological advances of the fourth industrial revolution will better... Morning. So... We've got a bit of a problem. There may be huge issues out there in the world at the moment, but more pressing than that, you've been sitting down for quite a while. <laughs> you're not considering 4IR. You're not considering artificial intelligence. You're just thinking, my caffeine levels are through the floor. <laughs> I get that. A bit of Winston Churchill, why not? The brain can only store what the bottom can endure. <laughs> I'm Chris. This is Lottie. I thought everybody was bringing their dog today. But seriously, how lovely are golden Labradors? <laughs> Sorry, what's funny about that? <laughs> I got her. She matches my pink suit. It's all good. So, I'm uh, suffering from a rather severe case of man flu at the moment. Let's be honest, is there, any other, uh, blah, 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 is there any other kind? So while you're thinking about coffee, I'm mainly thinking I hope I manage to stand up until the end of this presentation. The thesis goes something like this. The bots are coming, our jobs are going, and we're all off to hell and no one is even sure whether there's a handcart. <laughs> now, in all my work in Parliament on the Artificial Intelligence Select Committee, I joined that committee, it was called the AI Select Committee, really disappointed when I went to the first meeting and it had nothing to do with artificial insemination. <laughs> I, I felt I couldn't leave once I'd arrived, so I stuck around <laughs> for the year. So in all the stuff I do with the Artificial Intelligence Select Committee, my work on 4IR, FinTech, etc., nothing, nothing I hear causes me to be anything other than rationally optimistic about the future, whilst accepting the challenges, whilst accepting the difficulties, while accepting the frictional elements that we need to deal with in whatever part of society we're in, there's no reason 
not to be rationally optimistic about the future that's coming. And there's a number of theses I'd like to share with you today. And the first is, I think, to really understand what we're talking about today, we have to really appreciate the everythingness of 4IR. There are many people in Parliament, as in other walks of life, where they think, my area of work is defence, home affairs, education, environment, whatever it may be. And there's this other world of technology or digital. Two things are generally used interchangeably. And most people see that world, the digital, the technology, as the same as their areas. So they do defence, someone else does digital. But failing to appreciate the everythingness of 4IR, the pace and the extent, when you look at one element, just AI, never mind if you looked at every single element of the fourth industrial revolution, all of that coming at pace, each element with the, in, the, with the potential to be incredibly disruptive, put them all together, what an impact that's going to have. It will make the first industrial revolution look like a kid's tea party by comparison. That took over 100 years to take hold. We're already in the midst of 4IR. So really grasping that everything. So someone might go, my area's health. Someone else does digital 4IR over there. But just look at what artificial intelligence, machine learning is already doing in health. What DeepMind did with the Royal Free. Many issues around there. What DeepMind are doing with Moorfields in terms of being able to look at so many scans of people's eyes, not through that then replacing the consultant, but augmenting what that eye consultant is able to do. So that's the first thing, the everythingness of this, really having to grasp whatever our area is, this will have such a profound and if we, as the human, as prime, get involved, a profound and positive impact. But the second point is that we need to consider that everything and nothing changes. We live at an age when we've never taken more photographs. Some people perhaps even get a bit racy and try and take videos. <laughs> but we live at a time where we never, we've never taken more photographs, and yet, where's Kodak? We live at a time when we've never been more connected, and yet, look at the worrying rise in populism, nationalism, protectionism, retreatism. He's been mentioned in pretty much everybody's presentation so far, so I'll just say Trump. <laughs> we'll move on. Contrast, everything and nothing changes. And what doesn't change is the human, the human heart. What do we want? What society do we want to live in? What do we want our organisations to be like? What kind of experience do we want to have both in work, at home, and in every aspect of the human condition? All of that remains the same. So how do we go about navigating our way through this to deliver 
the public good, to deliver the empowerment and the enablement for individuals in public, private and social life. The fundamentals remain the same. Leadership. We need fantastic leaders. Technology, for IR, is not something which, at a governmental or an organisational level, should be parked in the IT department. It shouldn't just be the responsibility of the CIO or the CTO. Technology is too important to be left just to the technologists. And there's much said about predictions. Futurology has got to be the greatest job on the planet. You're never right, but by the time people realise, you bug it off and you're doing something else. <laughs> so I'm going to make a few predictions now. No, the point is, it's not about predictions. We don't need to predict. We need to choose. On the evidence we have, and as leaders it's difficult because we need to move forward making choices on partial evidence, being comfortable to act even when we don't have the full picture, being prepared to start a journey even if we don't know the destination. Imagine about to embark on the Second World War. Europe is on the brink. Our government go to the Ministry of Intelligence and they want to develop a ray gun. Now that would be a fabulous bit of kit in warfare, wouldn't it? You're gone. I don't think it would make a noise like that because that wouldn't be uh, very scary if you were actually sort of facing the enemy <laughs> and you just went, zoo. <laughs> they began that journey. Now I already sense you're an incredibly intelligent audience. So they began the journey to try and come up with a ray gun. What did they end up with? Now, when I said you're an intelligent audience, <laughs> anybody? Radar? Yes, exactly. The clue's in the first bit. You, you, you're either going to say radar or the radol from Ricky Gervais extras. I know that. <laughs> radar is exactly what they came with. Again, a fabulous thing. Begin the journey with confidence, with evidence, and with rational positivism, even if you don't necessarily know at that point what the destination is. So... We began the AI Select Committee uh, work last summer. I won't go into the details, but April the 16th, we published a report. It's going to be great. <laughs> and again, what the report does is go across the social, economic, and crucially, the ethical elements of AI. What does this mean for our society? What does it mean for us as individuals? I think we could barely have a better week than this week to talk about it. We see the data car crash at Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, and we see the actual car crash at Uber. These are the things that happen when you have the beginning of a revolution. Now, I don't think we should just be prepared to take sort of Trotsky's view on this when he talks about... Now, you didn't think you were going to hear Trotsky this morning, did you? Eh? <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, you are probably not on a Russian accent, but... Uh, Perhaps we'll try. <laughs> that was a bit more Scottish, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> imagine, imagine Trotsky, Scottish, going, hey, it's bloody freezing here at us! <laughs> a 
Apologies to any Scottish people here. <laughs> and indeed, any Trotskyites. <laughs> Trotsky said uh, to describe uh, um, what would occur in revolution, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. Now, that's unacceptable that we should just... As Matthew said, you can't just accept that some people will be losers, the greater good. That's nothing more than the vacuous, utilitarian argument. This has to be good for everybody, and there's a way to make it good for everybody. But it's interesting that we're already in the foothills, and we're seeing these incidents just this very week. And it takes us to what is the underpin, not just for AI, but for the whole of the 4IR. There is one fuel, and that is data. <laughs> One product, and that is data. Facebook, Apple, Google, Amazon have a larger market cap than the whole of the FTSE 100. And yet, in reality, the only product they have is our data. As organizations, as individuals, we should be incredibly thoughtful about what that means. We may have our smartphone in our hand, but it's the size of our data footprint that we should be considering. And the thing about AI, to demystify it, we shouldn't be concerned to say we should be positive because it's been around for years. And as soon as something becomes embedded and accepted, it no long, longer becomes mystical or AI-y. Is that a word, AI-y? AI-y. <laughs> Sounded a bit Scottish as well, didn't it? AI! <laughs> Years and years ago, 40 years ago, there was a primitive piece of AI translation software. It was translating the Bible from English to Russian. And for the phrase, the spirit is good, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is good, but the flesh is weak. The AI translation came up with, the vodka is good, but the meat's gone bad. <laughs> We don't need to be scared of that. <laughs> Over 20 years ago, IBM's computer beat Gary Kasparov. Just a few years ago, DeepMind's AlphaGo beat the Grandmaster at the fabulous Chinese game of Go, which is far more complicated than chess. But even DeepMind, who are a stunning business, a stunning British business, even they say what they created there was just a fabulous machine for playing Go. The sense of the distance that we still have to travel to get to general purpose intelligence is still decades away. But even when that comes, we shouldn't be afraid of it. If we manage it right, if we constantly track back to what are the values, what are the ethics, what do we as humans, as individuals, as collectives, as a society, as a nation, what do we want to do? How do we want to structure this stuff? It seems appropriate to briefly mention talent in that we're at Future Talent. We should feel positive because for the first time in a long time, talent will eclipse capital as the most important factor of production. Loads of issues around that, I won't go into them, but that's a reason to be cheerful. Inclusion, absolutely critical in terms of digital skills, in terms of having everybody in the room, as Deborah so eloquently pointed out. How can it be that we'll have the brightest and the best and the best out of 4IR when recently, the last exams for computer science, over 4,000 young people took the A-level computer science exam. Fewer than 100 were female. 
What we need to draw in is all the talent because it's going to be creativity, all the talent from all the sources. For organisations looking further and looking harder for that talent and reimagining what that talent looks like, sounds like, acts like, behaves like, driving culture change. This is all about change and being delighted and excited by that change and having it all fundamentally underpinned by stuff that we've known for thousands of years. We have the answers. We don't need to be just data dupes. For example, when you buy your gym membership, buy it online. Use PayPal. Buy it in the most electronically online, ostentatious, visible way you can. When you buy your KFC, pay cash. <laughs> the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. We have the potential to drive the 4IR, not be driven by it. If we focus on connection and collaboration, responsibility and reciprocity, crucially, transparency and trust, we can not just make it a success, we can make it a glorious success. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this Future Talent podcast. If you want to hear more from this year's Future Talent Conference speakers, make sure to check out our website, changeboard.com, where you can find videos and interviews from our incredible lineup. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon. <laughs>